Well, hello and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd, Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. all areas the podcast that dives deep into all things exciting about this rock band in excess gets them into the hall of fame do it with my compadre b and a bunch of patrons and loyal listeners what's new pussycat hello happy new year (laughs) happy new year it's been a a full-on couple of weeks so far already hasn't it but now quickly be in the interest of the listeners we need to declare we need to double check was it what's new pussycat or what's up pussycat oh, didn't we yes we did <laughs> we did we did he was playing in my head and i thought oh that would be a good tune but then we we've realized hang on was it up or is it new was it new yeah <laughs> but good old tom jones and our friends from you too they both had an involvement at michael's funeral uh bono sent the tiger lily uh flowers and tom turned up to the funeral for michael but mm-hmm. it is a brand new year 2023 uh, how are you? Feel like I haven't spoken to you for ages since last year, really, list, uh, actually. And uh, how's your sort of Christmas New Year been, B? Well, you've had three weeks off, haven't you? Well, technically, I did uh, remove myself uh, from uh, the Danny Sabre episode. Uh, well done on that, and thank you to Nick Egan jumping on board. But uh, yes, I guess how's your in excess Christmas New Year period been? Oh, geez, I might have to do a whole episode on it, to tell you the truth, but I'll I'll try and just tell you what's happened in the last couple of days. I had Blair and the boys turn up at the weekend um, and play um, their first gig of the year as well, so it was quite a nice Who were they? Who were they again? Don't Change, the Don't yes. Change boys, sorry, Correct. everybody, Correct. new listeners. And hello to all the new people that I met there, and I'm, I'm glad you're all uh, listening. Um, I want to Big thank you to my gang who came and and, uh, danced with me was Steve, Donna, Lisa and Hannah. But I've had a story to tell you today, Hayden. Just before you do so, I was just about to to say that you were speaking very assumptively there, like, uh, you know, the other day I was hanging out with Matt and uh, my mate Ben. Oh, sorry, Matt Damon and uh, Ben Affleck. Um, uh, But tell us the the story. Tell us the story. (laughs) I must admit, though, I've just breezed over that. Blair and the boys were absolutely fantastic and came on with the champagne and got us all rocking. And I was up to the wee wee hours talking to them in the bar afterwards. It was great fun. Um, Today I met a lovely lady called Belinda. Hello, Belinda. We're going to start carpooling from Coffs Harbour down to um, Sydney. 
she is awesome. But she told me in an excess story. She was at the 91 gig um, at the um, entertainment center and she was at the front row and she got her hands on the stage and she was like really into it. <laughs> My, Michael only comes over spots her ring which was um it was uh what did she say i think it was amethyst or sapphire i can't remember what she said and he mm. took it and he wore it and they never gave it her back oh <laughs> michael stole her ring so does that mean technically she was engaged to michael she proposed oh, to michael <laughs> there you go belinda there you go That's michael big... really did get married after all Jeez, yeah yeah <laughs> on his own back so yes. yeah, that that's good. Um, I'll just I'll tell you more later. You know, my my yeah. excess um, two weeks, three weeks. I'm working out the dates. You've done uh, the Blair Don't Change gig in November. You've done one in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a friend of the podcast, Karen Peters, probably heading to Perth soon to mm-hmm. see the boys over there. Take on the what you need to go, uh, what you need, guys. I guess you must be excited being being able to see this band quite regularly and get your dose. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. I, I really wanted to go and head up the coast to see them at um, Ballina. They'd mm. sold out at Ballina and um, they really had a good time there. So I think that will be the next time I'll see them up there if anyone's around. Well, I do have a bit of gig news coming up about their Ooh. date, so I'll save that for then anyway. So. Awesome. And we still need to get our tickets to go to that Perth gig. Yes. Well, that we spoke a little bit about, and for listeners who didn't hear the episode, there is an orchestral symphonic sort of sounds of all in excess song called, I think, Saints, Sinners and Thieves, playing in April uh, at one of the soccer stadiums there. And uh, that obviously is going to be uh, quite well patronage. So we should uh, keep listeners informed. Was it Saints, Sinners and Devils or something? I don't look. It could have been. It was wicked in the sounds of it. It could be de- devil saints Sounds and things. Delightful. Either way, there's a symphonic uh, in excess edition in Perth in April. But um, uh, now, let me just uh, throw to you a little bit. Has anything come across your in excess desk over the last couple of weeks? Because it has been a sort of a uh, a more elongated time since we got on together. Anything that you can update listeners on from the uh, management? You mean, or from the board? I don't know. Just in oh. general. Jeez, Hayden, um, nothing I can really think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, we did our live thing and we got the box, didn't we? And we did an unveiling. So we've got all those signatures um, signatures on the records now. So we will probably not, not this week, next week, um, get a bungle together and do something yeah. for the patrons, I think. What do you now, reckon? Yes. And there wasn't there something we gave away uh, through one of our platforms uh, oh, to yeah. a very lucky so I know we're doing a bit of fan engagement early, but it's good to do mm. some housekeeping. That's all right. Um, yes, Susan Brando um, received her package and she put it up on her Facebook pay- um, page. Um, she loved it, so that was good. Uh, I do have a little bit of sad news. Okay. Um, well, I don't know if it's sad or what. My calling pictures sold for yes. $500, but the person who who um, who bid on it hasn't paid yet. Oh, no. Really? So, look, Go, we're going to... No, name and shame. We will name and shame. You're in Chile <laughs> and your name's Maria. <laughs> right. Okay. Maria, but... find, find your pesos very fast. <laughs> but but we'll give you to the end of the month, I think, and if it hasn't, then we will put it back onto auction, don't we'll, you think? I think we'll give it to Australia Day, okay? Otherwise, it's going to Australia. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 I think so. And then um, Chris Cafaro also, we'll talk about that later on um, because he's giving away one of his prints, which is worth over 600 
$5. And don't forget, everybody, and I'll mention it again, Clemo. Oh, that's the other Nexus thing, I tell you. I went down to I went down to Sydney. You probably saw that. I went to see the um, fireworks. And while yes. I was there, um, I got a phone call just as I was leaving from Clemo. He says, oh, I've just re- re- arrived home. Um, do you want to come and collect some books? Honestly, his garage was like full of books. So he's given me two more cartons. So guys, I've got more books for you now because I'd run out. So if you want one of these books for free, you need to email us at, what's our email, Hayden? (laughs) <laughs> that's a trick question for me you know you know after two and a half years i, I still can't uh, i don't even know my own email address so anyway keep going okay it's in excess triple a at gmail.com that's a a a not triple a okay all right well look forward to hearing from you you are my kind how was your in excess week I had a pretty good uh, little little break. I had some good thinking time, some creative time, um, mm-hmm. some some episode inspiration time, and feel like uh, you know the batteries get a little bit recharged. And it, as I think um, you know, you and I would agree, we we do a lot of uh, uh, podcasts throughout a year. Often we put out at fifty two episodes in fifty two weeks, so it's probably pretty good uh, when we average all that to have a little break and sort of come up with some ideas and. I think I actually got very, very juicy and enthusiastic at about one in the morning a week ago, didn't I, B? And started emailing you and the band saying, you know, this is a pretty gold. <laughs> this is a pretty cool idea. So so I, I, I will I, I won't be grandiose to make it a sort of a, a self-proclaimed uh, topic of the week or anything, but I might share with them this, this an idea I have because last last year I think we were talking a little bit about getting not enough time back into the consciousness, and albeit it didn't chart, we we, we got a movement going, we got people mm-hmm. playing it, we got cover bands playing it, um, we got uh, a lot more people are sort of aware of the track. So uh, we'd like to have another theme this year where maybe we could just get in excess to appear one more time in concert and. Uh, there might be a little bit of a, a nugget there that didn't quite border on my Sydney Harbour gig, did it, B? Do you remember the Sydney Harbour gig? <laughs> oh, when I B- loved that. <laughs> B, B, not B, uh, B. Uh, Kirk was in the jetpack, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I had such a great time editing that episode. <laughs> it, it wasn't It wasn't quite as as, as, as far-fetched as that, but I do, have, <laughs> I do have a little bit of an idea, and I'm going to hit up in excess management at the right time uh, mm-hmm. in the next month or two about this idea that maybe we can get people power and get the band playing one more gig one more time uh, to uh, a massive stadium full of fans. So I will share that uh, deep dive uh, in the coming (laughs) weeks. Um, But uh, I I look back and I I think I said to you, B, I might have the craziest idea of all time or I might have a really inspired one. Well, Um, when it came through at 11 o'clock at night, I knew it was going to be pretty crazy. (laughs) It was 12.30 actually in the morning. And let me say just this. No one from the band has emailed me back with a, with a, with a thumbs up. So I'm going to I'm going to bow to the aspect that it was probably crazy. But you know what? Who knows? It's early days. Yeah, and it's the first email. Cash Cash is king. We can work on it. Do a 
shout out. I know Nikita can have done this a little bit, but from me and B to any of you out there who have had a, a good year last year, coming into a year this year, and you can give up a cup of coffee, a packet of cigarettes, whatever it is, a week or a month, uh, and chip into our little podcast that is getting bigger and bigger by the uh, the week. We would much love uh, you to join us on a, uh, I guess, a, a movement that will ultimately end up in us going to the Rock Wall of Fame in America to support the band's induction. We'll help the band get inducted. We'll help just discussion across the board. And every little dollar you put in is all part of that movement. So if you were sitting on the fence at the end of last year or if you did have a your, your patron stuff pause for a bit uh, or if you're relatively new and enjoy this content, um, we have 134 episodes, including this one, that you can deep dive on. And for a cup of coffee a week, 5, 10, 20 bucks a week, we would much love to have you on board our mission. Uh, so that's my cell B. Uh, but over to you to welcome the existing patrons aboard. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Well, hello to our honorary members, Tim Farris, Nick Egan, Mark Opitz, Richard Simpkins, Cameron Adams, Mary Woods, Darren Jones, and Paul Jolie. Our patrons, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie-Anne, Danielle, Sarah Markham, Sarah Camier, Dr. Jim, Katie, Lisa Mack, Anne-Marie, Susan P, Susan B, Foxy, Pedro, Mandy, Matt, Linda, Yvonne, Caroline, Amanda H, Amanda V, David, Tracy, Paul Bridges, Paul Buckley, Sandrine, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Val, Jim, Matey, Kelly, Jackie, Sean, Sheila, Shannon, Helen, Brett, Suzanne, Laurel, Bard, Genevieve, Shelby, Manny, Laurie, Jill, Leos, Yari, Heidi, Paula, Lisa, Angie, Nancy, Juliet, I'm sorry I missed you off the list last week and hello to your little lady, a six-year-old there I hear. <laughs> Anthea, Maria, Nicole, Tracy, Darren, Vernon, Jamie, Diana, Stefan, Andrew, Georgie, Stephen, Keisha, Mark, Vernon, Shane and Lachlan. And our special mentions go to Sudi, Joe Robbins, Janae Vink, Simon Spriggs, Glenn Davis, Paul Boozy, and Jay Finlayson. Welcome to the podcast. Well, a little handy little Christmas nugget that came out, a little bit unexpected, was your interview with Danny Saber and Nick Egan, who came on as a proxy co-host in his Christmas hat and all. Um, there was so much content and it was such a uh, a deep dive with Danny that um, uh, we've got some extra special content we're going to share today, I guess, in part two. Uh, and, you know, Danny had a really influential role in picking up the archives for Michael and putting that sort of solo album together with his production. But um, I guess any themes that uh, he hit upon on part two, B? Last week, if anybody listened to last week first with um, with myself and uh, Nick, um, it was a it was a great conversation. Nick was great with his questions, and uh, you know we we got into quite a, a bit about the band and Michael's influences and what he wanted to get out of um, his own solo album. And then um, Nick had to go because he was getting a bit cold because he was in the middle of the desert, bless him. So this week is mainly me and um, Hay- uh, Hayden, <laughs> me and Danny 
I mean, someone's already said this to me. It feels like you're actually just listening in our conversation on this one. It's um, it's quite an intimate conversation. He's very um open about um, his feelings, and yeah, we, I mean, we there's some some great things there. You know, he he's he actually shares with us a letter that he received from Kel. Oh right. I can he- yes. actually hear um Danny was like a bit teary when he was yeah. saying it. Yeah. Also, an interesting thing, um, we talked about my friend Jimmy Guest, um, mm. who is over in the UK, and Jimmy and Danny have done um, an, an interview together. And Jimmy found um, an award that was dedicated to Danny, but Danny didn't even know about it. So that's really interesting as well. So you'll get to hear about what that was. The award for Michael's um, solo album was we think stolen so this is a an interesting um oh, topic okay. as well yeah yeah All yeah right. um and, okay. and just the thing you know just about you know photographs there's no photographs of danny with michael just because of what was going on at the time and the media was just like handing mm. michael so michael didn't want a camera around and no. you know and danny is very very respectful and you'll get a lot out of this. You yeah. really will. It's a really good interview, and I'm pretty proud of it. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, P. Well, uh, before we get into all of that, what's the time for? It's time for the news. Hi, it's Dave from England, and you're listening to In Excess Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the news. Well, B, I'm very, very excited to share chart news. You know, when I first started this podcast, I know uh, Pedro felt the same way by having a new section up to date weekly. We could keep certain uh, relevance of the band being in uh, the currency of time. And I can happily report in that uh, since our last recording, we've had about three or four chart changes. Uh, I think at our last particular uh, episode, we were talking about the greatest, uh, the very best of, I should say, hitting sort of around 38 on the charts. I think since then, over the Christmas New Year period, B, it's gone down to 37. It's then gone to 17 with the bullet in the Australian charts. And then last week, it just dipped a little bit to 25. And that's on the the overall Australian top 40 charts, okay? Right. However, on the Australian artist charts, it actually was number one last week as yeah. the most popular album. And it was number two for all of 2022 in terms of Australian album uh, purchases, streams, et cetera there, which is exciting. But even more exciting, I guess, also is the fact that Kick uh, re-entered the Australian charts last week within the Australian Arts uh, section. And it hit number 10. And then this week it's number 11. So uh, that's in the Australian Artists Top 40. So I guess, you know, as I was saying to a friend of the podcast this morning on the phone, there, you know, that's 11 years, first of all, from the very best of and 35 years since Kick. So again, icons and uh, very proud of those numbers. I am just so happy about that. It just shows that, you know, how incredible these young men were making this music and it's still relevant today. Thank you, everybody, for buying and uh, keep it up. Yes, and I think I'm I'm getting used to the language now of saying the word sort of streaming as opposed to just purchasing the CD. So, yeah, I guess the, I, I'm adapting to... Have you been to, told? Oh, well, I think I've just sort of, uh, <laughs> along with the great advice about armoring and arring, yeah, I've, 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 been, I've been really coachable over the Christmas break. But um, um, all right. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, segue. 
<laughs> my tongue is in my cheek. Now, quickly, we are always in the first week of January virtually, there's always a little bit of a homage to certain celebrities and singers who have passed away uh, but are representing great achievements. So we want to give a big shout-out to uh, Happy Birthday to Elvis, Happy Birthday to David Bowie, uh, and Happy Birthday to Paul Hester, the ex-drummer from Crowded House. These three guys were born all on January the 8th. Uh, not on the same time or same same year, but on the same date uh, in terms of the the actual January eighth part. So, uh, dearly departed all of them. But big shout out to you and your families, and uh, uh, lest we forget uh, those uh, illuminaries. Be I think it's Jimmy Page's birthday as well. Jimmy Page's birthday too. I've seen that all over socials. I don't know whether that was yesterday the ninth or whether I think it might have been January the ninth uh, mm-hmm. for him, not January the eighth, but. Uh, big happy birthday to Jimmy. Uh, true to form, Jimmy uh, was in a photo with his girlfriend and she was about 31 or something like that, and he's 79. So 79, Jimmy. Yeah, well done, Jimmy. Mm. Also, to moving on to some news, I had to find this quite funny, B. This is actually uh, in excess news, but not in excess news, if you know what I mean. Okay. Other day at Meadowlands, which is a race course uh, in New Jersey, uh, a horse won the fifth race called in excess. So, <laughs> uh, so. It was a th- three to five uh, on favourite, so it got up there, and and typically the bookie said it was our favourite. Ah, <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was an interesting little uh, name click or name check. Brilliant. In terms of gig watch uh, here in Australia, it is the sort of the the, the period of uh, massive touring. So big shout out, I said, to the Don't Change Boys who are taking uh, on WA, West Australia, particularly sort of areas such as Perth and and the uh, Bunbury area. But they're going to be in Bunbury, which is a couple of hours south of Perth, on the twenty fifth and the twenty sixth. Uh, they're also going to be at Hillary's, which is sort of a, a coastal sort of town on the beach area on the 28th of January. They're going to be also competing with the uh, What You Need boys who are from Perth, who are playing Rocknest Island uh, at one of the hotels there at Rocknest on the 12th of February. The Live Baby Live boys are going to be playing at Theberton in South Australia or Adelaide on the 10th of February. The Inaccessible boys just played on the weekend in Geelong, so anyone who's there, uh, let us know. Excitedly, though, be uh, another UK cover band. I don't know if I mentioned them before. I think I may have, but there's an In Excess cover band in the UK called In Excess UK, and they're uh, playing on July 22nd in, I believe it's pronounced Bridlington. Some people might say it's Bridlington. Uh, I, I'm reading it as Bridlington. It's Bridlington, uh, mate. It's, it's Bridlington. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I would bow to your English sensibilities. Um, I was going with Islington and Islington and Bridlington. There so you anyway, go, Bridlington. Yeah. And also, too, over in the US, there is a In Excess cover band called Mystify. They're playing, I think, on the 3rd of April or uh, I think so, so I, you know they do their dates and, and, and their, da- uh, oh, their yeah. months and dates are the other way but they're playing I think in Kansas City at uh, the Aztec uh, Shawnee Theatre now it's either the 4th of March or the 3rd of April but just check your local guides to see that excellent excellent I don't know if I told you or told Nick I can't remember now but yep. the What You Need Boys I think it was the drummer was it the drummer yes it was the drummer hello mate he proposed to his girlfriend on stage I think oh it was on Christmas Eve uh, to right. Never Levitate 
never tear us apart. <laughs> never yeah. Never, 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 never. <laughs> right. Okay. Fantastic. And, and another thing, I think I told you this one, Live Baby Live are actually coming to Coffs Harbour on the 22nd, which yeah, is Michael's I, birthday. So that's right, pretty right. cool for me. So they're all getting getting around the traps, which is awesome. Mm. So do you do yourself a favour. All of these bands are fantastic. You know, we've seen most of them, I think, and either, either live ourselves or through you know digital platforms. But uh, they're all out there supporting great music. So do yourself a favour, both in U- the USA, England, and Australia. It's got what you need. The last one I had to find quite funny, but also quite traditional and also quite frustrating. But uh, good old Rolling Stone America uh, came out this uh, last week and decided to do their list of the, the best 200 singers of all time. Uh, apparently, uh, anybody who uh, is of a white skin origin can't sing because I don't think there was any Caucasians uh, other than one in the top 10. White singers matter. I'm putting a statement out there. <laughs> white singers matter. And one of them particularly that does matter is our Michael. Yes, um, he does. With his black voice. <laughs> yes. The funny part about this, though, was I had to had to laugh because it was very, you know, USA-centric and um, half of these journalists have probably never heard of people like Paul Weller and, you know, Neil Finn and uh, Peter Garrett and, you know, all these singers. Um, I think a poor old Bono made it 140. So uh, all, the, all the U2 fans were having conniptions. But the funniest yeah. one was the uh, the big snub for Celine Dion. And there was a uh, a big protest uh, of about eight people out the front of Rolling Stone uh, headquarters in America, of which I posted uh, that if I was there, I'd be protesting against the protesters. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, Celine Dion was snubbed from the top 200. Oh, wow. Uh, so uh, that was interesting. But was remember, Madonna in there? I think she was in there. But uh, look, a lot of these lists, they're a bunch of geeky sort of, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, nerds who sit in an office and they really don't have much history other than really sort of picking what's woke and picking what's seemingly cool and what is American century. But you know who's good at making lists, don't you? Who? You. <laughs> oh me. <laughs> well, I felt like I put down here I thought we should do our own list, okay? We mm. we will we'll, we'll put a we'll put a, 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 an exclusion out by saying or a disclaimer saying, look, we we know that we have Michael number 1, so uh, uh we will just put that as the default position, but number and 2 and 2 and 3. <laughs> Well, you, you know, Karen Peters has got one and two, don't you? She's got Blair at one and Michael at two. Is she really? No, oh, no, my I'm just goodness. making it up. You're just making it up. Stop it. But that's the news of the week. Hey, this is Tim Farris. Big shout out to Hayden and B. Also, want to say hello to all the listeners and NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. I think you did a pretty big deep dive earlier about the Danny Saber part two. So without further ado, we're going to get straight into it. And uh, again, congrats on a great interview. Listeners, enjoy.
from what I've heard and seen, I've known you for a while now, Danny, all because of Dave Edwards. He's done a great job so far in keeping Michael up and amongst the contemporaries. And, and, and you know, you told me some of the tracks you had to get off a demo cassette, but it sounds great. And, you know, the, the idea, of, and, I've, and I've sent the, you know, a couple of tapes off to, a, a, and I won't name names at this point, a female singer who's very enthusiastic about duetting with Michael on this stuff. So, so I think you are the one person out of this whole equation that is keeping Michael's legacy alive. Because, I mean, all due respect to the band, they, they're not doing it. They, they, they haven't come up with another idea. They haven't come up with another idea for singer, which would have probably been appropriate by about now. So what's left? It's like, what's left is what you have, which has never been heard before. Not, not some of it has never been heard before. And you're keeping it, keep it going. I give you a lot of credit for, for having the, the passion to keep okay. it going. I, I need to defend my band a little bit there, yeah. that, um, Nick. They, yeah. they have been through a few singers. They're older guys now. They, they, they've they no. retired. They've gone, they've gone back and they've lifted the legacy with Michael, which is what should be happening really because they've got so much work there that needs to be recognised. I love you, Danny. I love the fact that you've got all of this. The fans would... Oh, I know, crying out to hear it. It will come out. And I know that you've got something really, really precious here and you're and delicate and you're going to do the right thing for Michael and for the fans, hopefully. Yeah. Because there's some music that was in The Last Rock Star, but I was kind of careful to not, like, none of it ran for more than 30 seconds because we it was all with, again, the best of intentions. We we were planning, the, the deal was in place to recut the film and, and release it and everything. And, Things got tricky, like they always do with anything related yeah, to Michael. Anything. We're at a point in time now where all the sort of pieces are in place, the dust has settled, a couple of the, the obstructionists are out of the way that didn't yeah. stop things from happening, but it's already hard enough. I mean, that's the one thing I learned out of this. And now I'm sort of moved into this thing where I'm working with a company in Australia called Beyond, and I'm, do, I'm working in that field now, like getting that film made gave me the opportunity to legitimately learn the ropes as a producer, you know, in uh, visual stuff, not just records and going into it, every asshole in the music business thinks like either they can score a movie or get a movie made. But anytime anything gets made and Nick knows this, it's a minor, it's a miracle. I agree. Yeah, I know, I know, you gotta give credit. Yeah. I mean, the the thing is I'm not being too, yeah, I thought thought the documentary had, it, it, it wasn't, and I know your guy did a good job, but it wasn't really sold in the end to what, because you had so much great stuff. You all had all the stuff from Zurich that you found in the market. There was so much good stuff in there that I think you're right. It's, it was a corporate, it, yeah, yeah, the corporate side of it made it in something they wanted to sell and get ratings on it. I mean, it had to work on, and then Channel 7's yeah. defense, it had to, I mean, we knew that. It, like, it, was, it had to yeah. work on TV. I mean, they, they spent a lot of money on it. They, did, they didn't screw, like, like, they weren't cheap. You know, my yeah. issues seven have nothing to do with anything creative, but because look, if we do make another film, I don't know how much of any of that will even be in it. There's no point now. No. And there's another but- angle telling the story that I don't want to discuss because it's, but it would make it such a huge story. And it's, it's cause it's a bigger story than just Michael, isn't it? I mean, it's no. the story experience opera, this whole thing, you know? So there's another way to tell perhaps, all that really matters is using it as a vehicle to bring Michael back to some sort of relevance. Because you know, when that movie was on in Australia, I believe for at least a two to four weeks, In Excess had like five records in the top 10. They're gonna benefit from this more than anybody. Yeah. yeah. 
But it's not just the music going into the charts. It's also they're in the papers and like people are asking. They're getting bombarded. They got I mean, journalists at the door and whatever. So there, it, there is you know it is a bit of that as well. I think Danny's I think Danny's point earlier on, which I agree on, if the whole excess community, and that's not just the fans, but it's the people that knew Michael were more supportive of each other as opposed to bitching about, which is a lot of bitching went on and a lot of like. Well, we know Michael better than you do. That, that I've known ever since I've known Michael, since I worked on Kick, there's been that possessiveness. If only everybody thought, you know what, everything is good. Oh, everything is good for my, for in excess. And that's the thing that I find difficult. Does it matter anymore? I mean, you're right. The guys are older now, you know, like when they went and did the thing singer search, you know, my issue wasn't that they did it maybe a little bit, but how they did it, you know? So like, the point being was there was still a viable maybe if with the right guy they could have went out and still baby be where Duran Duran is now. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Look at Duran Duran. I mean, I got to give them nothing but credit. These guys stuck together. But the point being is I think Nick's right in this sense. And again, I'm not like, look, the circumstances were such that I was in a really good position with Michael because most of the people around, not just Michael, but all rock stars, need them more than they need the other guy. So like they're they're in a position where they're either riding off their steam. And Michael was like the epitome of that because, and it's not always negative. It's not always like evil. It just, you can't help it. Michael had such a glow that just to bask in it, good shit was gonna happen to you, right? Yeah. I, I was just lucky. I was in the right place at the right time, meaning I was on the upswing. He was in a spot where he was really trying to figure something out. I was in a position to help him do that. And uh, he did a lot of great things for me. You know, the reason I'm so passionate about this is like, for instance, you know, him and Sean Ryder, you're right. They're really generous. Their generosity, Sean, Danny, show up when you can make it. I could go play Reading Festival, if, if but I, I didn't have to worry about whatever. Nobody does that. It's like, dude, if you're in the fucking band, I had a band do that to me, ultimately. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You're right. When the Browns and Mick Jagger and Ronnie Wood walk in. I had I had been working with them three days, and Mick and, and Michael are talking. And I guess at the time Mick was doing a solo record. Michael's like, you got to work with Danny. Da 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 da. I mean, most guys would have been like, this is my, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. yeah. Michael, without Michael Hutchins, I might never have worked with the Rolling Stones, man. Like yeah. so much. And he was so, um, like I said, generous. And it wasn't in a way of like, there was no phoniness about him. And he never, I, at least I never saw him. And we had this conversation. I never saw him abuse his power. Like the guy yeah. has so much power to the point where he's been gone 25 years. People are still bickering and da 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 da. Yeah, no, but like yeah. everybody has their own little version. Like even when we were trying to get the movie made, certain people, you know, well, you know, it's like I think that was Lowenstein's thing. It's like, bro, I never said anything negative about you. Why would you? Why would you badmouth our shit? Just put your That's shit sad. out. Yeah. That's sad.
that you've got a few with yeah. him. You know what? So this is the thing about it. This is the thing that's just so. What do you think the last thing that Michael wanted around him when he was working this? True. There's not. There's one picture, and it's in the Last Rock Star of me and him. And it's this really, it looks like it's on a photo strip and we are gone. I don't know what planet we're on. <laughs> it's, I've, that's the only photo. And there's got to be pictures of us together. Because I've like, I know we, we, I went a couple places with him. We were dodging paparazzi. There's got to be somebody out there with some something. But we, no, we never, that's but the nothing in the studio. The camera in the studio. I mean, he was dodging paparazzi to get to the fucking studio. You know, that would have been good promotion for the actual, the, the record going through. You have to understand too, like when we were in the studio, that was sort of his little oasis. Okay. Yeah, you didn't want to get, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His little zone. That's why there's not a lot of pictures of me and Michael together because I didn't want to, you know, I don't want to be, let's take a selfie, Mike. You know, you don't want to do that. I was going to tell you a funny story that will put it kind of in the perspective. Because again, people lose sight of all these things you take for granted today. Like, why are there no pictures? There were no, there were no camera phones. Like, but I'm not having a go. I'm just asking if there is any. That's all. Well, no, I wish there was. I'm saying like, I, because I don't. I'd like to have pictures of me and him. Like, I have never. There's only one I've ever seen. Well, if any of the fans have anything, you know, let us know because yeah. I'll let you know because like I said, it's like nothing, you know, nothing. And 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 when we were in the studio, John X, who was the engineer, was my engineer, and we worked together on pretty much everything. He was the engineer or Michael's engineer, and John always had one of those disposable cameras, right? Yeah. So we were doing the black rape record up in uh Michael wasn't there. We were up at Real World doing the second black rape record, and Kylie Minogue was in the other studio. And uh, Kylie kept coming in to hang out with us, right? And her minders would come and get her. Like, you know, she's been with Sean Ryder and the, they were like, <laughs> and she just wanted to hang out with us, right? And it was just cool. She just wanted to hang out. It was not, we weren't doing anything dark or nefarious. But John X had this thing he would always do with girls because John was very camp. He wasn't gay at all, but he was just very camp. And he'd go, if, if, he, if he met you, he'd be like, I love your outfit. He had Kylie even know, like she switched outfits, a couple other kind of, racy things happened and he was documenting the whole thing right and some really like some crazy pictures of sean so this is one of the other reasons you didn't take pictures so at one point we're up in bath and i said to john i go whatever happened with those pictures and he goes oh they're getting developed and i'm like well where are they getting developed dude he goes snappy sams i'm like bro jeez disposable camera to snappy sams he's like yeah why i go dude are you crazy? If they recognize those people, those things are going to be in the fucking sun. Yeah. Luckily, all the pictures came back. Nobody ever, nothing ever happened. But like, <laughs> it was, you know, it was treacherous, that kind of Whoa, shit. That was a bit scary. I, I just, I heard that um, Kylie um, recorded a song with Michael, but she's not going to release it. She's kept it oh, personally. Really? I no, I only found out this week. I never knew. She said it's too, it's too personal, but that's, that's lovely, isn't it? That's quite beautiful that they're together, that a song. Heard a story. It sounded easy. Got a new skin. And I'm lying through my teeth. I was shook up. Intoxicated. Dang the juices 
Is, is I want to because I've got all the like you know with the possibilities there's like a nine like that string arrangement it's a real string arrangement there's like a 90 piece string arrangement and the, the sad thing is that all the stuff we did in England meaning Andy's songs all the two inch tapes were all I for some reason none of all my masters disappeared the only thing I have left is possibilities that's the only one where I have the vocals and the only reason I have it is because I have the songwriting session of it breathe Maybe it's, I can't find any, I, I don't know what happened to it. All the masters disappeared. They wow. were all, I think they got sent to V2 and then V2, you know, maybe I bet they're sitting in a vault somewhere in England or something, but. Uh, you don't think Murphy got hold of them? No, he wouldn't have them. I mean, that's another thing. Like the record came out. I mean, when the movie got made, we were trying to find like a partner to release the music and set the table to release this unreleased stuff. And he came out publicly and said he owned everything. And Chris Murphy didn't work. I never met Chris Murphy in my whole life. He, he had nothing to do with it. Michael paid for that record himself. He owned it all. Like, yeah. and, but the problem was it scared people away. It scared, I can't remember the guy who was running Sony at the time. He was about to like, we were talking. It was like, we were talking. He was interested. And then all of a sudden he just disappeared. And that was why I found out because it's like, you know, People say, you know, so there was a lot of, ups it was weird. And Nick's right about that. I mean, look, the dust is settled and it's like, we're all on the same team here. You know, this is the thing I don't get. The competition is over now. Those days are past. There's, it doesn't, nobody looks at it outside of individual petty grievances. Nobody in the, cause it's not about the people that are watching this, that are passionate and excess fans. They're there. We got, they're here. They're with us, right? It's those people that need to be reminded. Cause I can't tell you how many times, like I mentioned something about Michael and that was another big motivating thing was like, you know, you mentioned that name and it's like, Oh, he's a guy who didn't tell him something. It's like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Right. And trying to get that from being the first reaction and, and that little, you know, in its own little way, the seven thing did help to start to change that conversation. That conversation needs you, that can't, that should be the first thing people think of, you know? Yeah, I know. I know got to think of like yeah man he was amazing but then in that same breath it's like i can't tell you how many times oh yeah in excess was the first band i ever saw michael was like people love him and a lot of people just need to be reminded the momentum up for these other things that yeah. deserve to happen the only way that's lone stein's documentary has helped put a band-aid on that a little bit more as well i honestly i haven't seen it but i mean again i always oh, you should danny you should. Yeah, I want to write headspace to watch it. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I don't wish any ill will. If it's promoting Michael, you know, in a pause, and it's truthful and it's not just made up. See, that was the other issue I had a little bit with the, um, with the, what was the thing they did? The, uh, the um, Never Tear Us Apart miniseries. Chris Murphy basically wrote that script and they've got Paula calling Chris Murphy. I mean, that's fucking preposterous. Chris Murphy was not Michael's life then, you know? Mm. So, you know, but the thing that bothered me a little bit about that and is like, you know, they, and it's nothing to do with the band because they didn't write the script, but they got Andrew toiling away, you know, looking for that song, looking for that song. He's got, I got to find Michael. Where the fuck is Michael, right? And uh, he's looking all over and he finally tracks him down in Hong Kong, which might've actually happened. And 
Oh, Mike, I got the new song, man. We need the lyrics. Okay, mate. Fucks off, comes back five minutes later. There you go. Here's a hit. If Michael did that, which he might have, the only reason he could do that is because the guy worked his fucking ass off. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, I mean, he was the real deal. That's why Mick Jagger on, you know, and they're having their conversation. Mick, Mick poached me because I was working with Michael. I mean, that's the only reason, but that's how much respect he commanded. You know, everybody looked and watched him. That's what mattered. Respect. Years. That's why the Oasis thing hurt so much because it was like, here's the uh, coolest young fucking world, you know. And they took a dig. It was so unnecessary and just mean. But they, you know, I you got to forgive people. Like, look where they were at. They were dealing with it all for the first time. They, I'm sure, if they had to go back and do it again, and I know they, I think publicly say they know that wasn't cool. But they were young kids, self culture, you know. And you got to rise above all that bullshit because again. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't doesn't take away the hurt from Michael. He was like, yes, you've won. But he got over it, you know, real quick. Trust me, he had way bigger fish to fry. Jimmy Guest? Yeah, of course I know Jimmy Guest. Yeah, yeah. So he's a fellow um, Brummie like me, you see. We have a chat. Well, what happened with Jimmy that was really cool? I don't know if every, anybody caught that. The, the V2 record was, I think, platinum in Australia or gold or whatever that means. I always noticed on a couple Zoom things with Andy that there was a award on the wall for the record. I never got one. I never got anything for doing the record because the record company makes those things up, right? Yeah. I mean, I have a few on the wall, but I don't make my own platinum record stuff. Like you can call it and have a, you know, you have to prove you worked on the record, but whatever. I know guys that do that. So this thing comes up on this auction site and I believe Jimmy was the one that somebody said, one of the fans sends me this thing and it's an award of a record awarded to me for the record. It's an Australian you know, official, like, record went gold or platinum or whatever it went. And it's up for auction. What? I'm like, wait a minute. I go, I've never fucking seen this thing, right? And I so I wrote a little thing and like, hey, you know, I wasn't aware that this thing even existed. You know, uh, obviously it was made for me because my name was on it. Yeah. So some, no fan would make up a memorabilia with my name on it. They put Michael Hutchins, what? right? So long story short, we the auction house was really, really cool. And I said, look, if the person can show me how they got it, you know, I'm not going to fight them on it, but I'm pretty sure whoever has this probably worked at the label and just, they were probably throwing shit out and walked out with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Might be. So I said, look, have that person contact me and let's have a conversation. And if they rightfully, Oh, it's theirs. I mean, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. I, you know, Mm. I've got enough of them, but I go, this is sort of a, 
First this of all, is important. Yeah. Long story short, the, the, the person didn't want to tell me how they got it. So I was like, all right, well, then I think you should give it back. So it's in England. So Jimmy grabbed it. So Jimmy's had it. So Jimmy's oh, had it. awesome. So you're going to go over and get it or is he sending it to you? I have some ideas of what I might want to do with it when the right time comes along. So we'll see. You know, how wonderful that you've been given that anyway, but how wonderful that a fan has found it for you as well. Here, hold on. I'm going to show you what matters. So can you see this? I might have to turn on the light that was sent to me by Michael's dad. Oh. And uh, I'll read it Kel. to Kel. Kel. Uh, dear Danny, I have had not the pleasure, I have had not had the pleasure of meeting you, but Michael spoke often about you. I just wanted to say thank you for the wonderful music you have produced for our beloved Mike and the dedication you have shown to making this album all that Michael would have wished for us. Sincerely, Kelly. That's more than... But 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 at the same time, it's it's all good. You know what I mean? But so... I got some ideas about what I might want to do with that thing, but um, we'll cross that bridge later. Oh, Danny, I only heard about you from the last rock star. I must admit, I went backwards and I found out about Black Grape and Adrian Provocateur and everything. And I've never heard anything bad about you, but I've heard people say things, you know, a, a bit like, you know, Michael wasn't that happy with those songs. Funny thing is a lot of people, and I won't name names, but 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 look, this is nothing to do with Michael. This is beyond Michael. I always say there's a couple of things like 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 I said. Number one, no absolutes. That's the best advice I was ever given. Meaning, there's no absolutes in anything, right? True. People always want stuff to go. Okay, if this and this means that, or this and that, that it, life doesn't work that way. But generally speaking, most people will project either a what they're afraid, what they would do to you by what they're afraid you're going to do to them or what they're really thinking by what they're telling you or what they're guilty of by what they're accusing somebody else of doing. Like yeah. those things seem true so much, especially That's now, so right. just put on TV, just put on the news. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you've got to watch both sides now because it's gotten so crazy. And maybe there's some like truth that lies somewhere in the middle but it gets down to this. Everyone has an agenda and I have an agenda. I've been transparent, but agendas aren't always bad things. You know, mm. I'm like doing the best I can in a really, let's be honest, shitty situation. Yeah. And conversations that you have with one person, you change it slightly for another person to protect them. Maybe sometimes live in a world now where anybody can merely decide something and it is so, and that is just bullshit. I'm sorry, you know, you you know, everything I'm standing on is that's why I don't worry about what people say, because I know the truth. Yeah. And I know that I can back it up with whatever it may be. I get you know, but there's been, I have to say, through this whole thing, I have never had anything but but positive. I've never had the only negative stuff again was around that little release. But even the people who were upset about it, except for one person, I was able to I, I reached out to them personally and I said, Hey, look, here's the situation. I didn't get that money. I didn't, you know, there's like somebody builds a house. The real estate guy takes your money. That's the guy you go after, even though, you know what I mean? You don't go to the guy who built a house. Like, so, and I wouldn't change this for the world. Again, without fans, nobody matters. Fans are what gives all of this meaning. Yeah. But it's how they should be. They can look at everything, whether on based on whether they like it or they don't. And they can be very passionate about their feelings. That's how they should be. You know, this is like, A, my life, and B, I don't have 
luxury because I'm actually was in the room with, with in Michael's case or whoever. I work with these people. I can have loyalty to them because what gets lost in the shuffle a lot is Michael was a person. He wasn't this thing, you know. And there's a lot of people that feel they have possession of like, look, Michael was different things to different people. That was one of the beauties of him. That's what made him so special. You are special too, because he wouldn't have chosen somebody who was a bullshitter. He would have seen that. He was a veteran in his career when he met you. He knew that you were a special person. He trusted you. His brother to me. And, and like I said, he kind of took me around and he introduced me to the unquote unquote real shit you know how old were you at that point 29 or 28 or something and he wasn't that much older than me i mean he was like 37 i think so it seemed, mm. it seemed like he was because you got to remember too the older you get obviously like it's like i always joke now i can't tell if somebody's 15 or 35 anymore We just, we fit, we fit good. I was the right guy at the right time in my career. He was where he was at and we were able to kind of have a cool vibe together because one thing that a lot of people don't understand too is in anything creative, but especially like writing songs, like for instance, there's music time and real time. So like you could say, well, Danny only worked with him for a couple, you know, you're at the end of two or three days in the studio with somebody, if you're gonna do, the kind of stuff that he was striving to do and I was striving to do, all the bullshit goes out the window. You know something really well, really fast. You become really close, so you don't need years and years and years and, you know, whatever. So that's why I don't let, and none of that stuff means anything to me, I don't care. The, what I would like, you know, like I said, in the perfect world, if we can, if we can all, you know, just somehow get to a place where they just, you know, the band too, you know, they just kind of, can be thought of in a more positive light because when somebody dies this is the other thing i've learned and it doesn't matter if it's an internationally famous rock star your mate what do they leave behind they leave behind the memory people have of them now michael's done that on a massive scale right but within mm -hmm. those memories there's a lot of positive stuff and there's a lot of negative stuff Mm -hmm. And it takes time for that's the energy that they leave behind, you know, yeah. and it takes time for all that to sort of subside and, you know, get to a place where there's like, okay, everybody can kind of get together now and yeah. their own petty bullshit can maybe get put to the side. Cause in this case, there's some rights to wrong, in my opinion, you know, just in the sense of cosmic right and wrong, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely get what you're saying. It's time. It's time to heal. It's time to forget and just be. And if there's some role for me to play in related to in, I mean, I worked with Michael outside of his band. I had nothing to do with his band. That's a great thing. But at the same time, it's all interconnected. There's no Michael Hutchins solo records without in excess. So what, what did he think of Elegantly Wasted? Because he would have been doing his demos around about the same time, would he? Or had he done most of that? 
said earlier, we kind of took a break so he could go off and do that because he needed to go do that for, you know. But when he was doing it, his heart and soul was in that 120%. Michael was not the kind of person that's going to phone it in, you know? Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, it was part of an obligation they had, but, you know, there was money involved. I mean, he needed to do that. Mm. That's the other thing I think fans lose sight of. Like, this was his profession. <laughs> like, this was his career. Yeah. You know, and again, let's have the luxury as this should be. That's all you should care about is the emotion and the way the music makes you feel and your love for that artist and that passion. That's what, you know, and let's be honest, you'll be hard pressed to find anybody who inspires as much fan loyalty and uh, passion as Michael does. Because Ooh. let's be honest, there's a whole generation of women that were in love with him. Yeah. He was a good he was a good egg, man. Like that that's the one thing I can tell you about him. He was a good egg. You know, he really was. And a lot of people get in that position and they have so much power. I mean, Michael had so much power over people, you know, and I never saw him abuse it. You know, abuse that. And that's the kind of shit you see, you know. And and it's like people are human. I mean, you get that much power, it's inevitable you're going to treat some people like shit. You know, it's just, it's just, it's hard not to do it. And I'm sure there's some people out there that maybe feel he slighted them, whatever, but that's usually in people's heads. Mm. You know what I mean? And people have bad days, don't they, Danny? We're not all <laughs> have good days. He was dealing with a lot of pressure. I know. Yeah, he was. Huge amount of pressure. I mean, must have had some of those conversations with you about them. I mean, it reflected a lot in a lot of the lyrics that um, were in those songs that you made together as well. The whole thing was a diary. That's what I was yeah. Absolutely. Because he was using that. Again, it was his one little o oasis. And then Tiger came along and that was another little oasis. Those were the bright spots. And it wasn't like his life was all fucking doom and gloom. It wasn't. He wasn't that kind of a guy. Funny thing, a friend of mine, a guy who I'm working with, I just got to know a little guy I really like a lot. He's about to have a kid, like to the point where his wife could burst in any moment. And he's coming over and working on songs with me. And I'm like, you know, it's so cool. You're not just freaking out right now. You know what I mean? And he's cool about his hair. Well, and it says a lot about his lady because she's pretty cool too, obviously. They're just, they're just rolling with it. And I always say, well, you know what Michael always used to say about having children? You know, he, he goes, he never bought into the doom and gloom of having kids. He goes, it's the, the hours are the same, right? Yeah. Like, Yeah, that's what he said. That's right. That was his, that was who he was. He just was always looking for, you know, and if somebody would in, interject some bitchiness or some negativity or an attack, he wasn't like, yeah, you know, he wasn't a bitchy person. Like when that guy tried to fuck with me, you know, and throw me under the bus. You know, because it wasn't true. It was bullshit. It's like, what are you talking about? So he didn't buy into it. He would just deflect it and just move on. That's so mature, isn't it? He was a mature guy, though. I mean, so well read and so thoughtful about life. The person. He was really fucking smart. Yeah. Paula was super witty and smart. And she gave him a run for his money. And, you know, you're talking about people. And I was in no league. Like, maybe now I could even carry on a conversation with somebody like Polly Yates. But when I was 28 years old, I didn't have shit to say to her. She was so leaps and bounds, just mentally, like so sharp. Uh, so sharp. Yeah. Are you to shreds? And that was like, you know, that's a big part of what attracted him to her because he mm. was sort of that way too. But he wasn't that way in a bitch. He didn't have any bitchiness about him. It was just being clever and being quick. And quick quitted. Yeah. You know, he wasn't just some himbo that swung from the chandelier, but, you know, like that's what was a little offensive about that, that 
TV thing when it's like, yeah, they just like, yeah, he's swinging from the chandeliers. Oh, you need a hit? Here you go. Here's your hit. Yeah. We're the bitches. Like, come on, man. No, that wasn't Michael. It may have all been true, too. He probably did do that. <laughs> but it wasn't all the time. Yeah. There was a lot of that went into being in a position to be able to do that. And don't forget, too, he spent a long time sitting on the Ferris Brothers couch waiting for his shot. Like, that stuff never goes away. It just yeah. becomes a bigger part of the, you know, in the dynamic of a band. Yeah. All history. And that's really what, like, needs to happen with In Excess now is that if you look at what the Stones have done, all these bands now are defining their own mythology. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to candy coat it. Like, most people probably don't remember this. Mick Jagger did a thing called Being Mick. And he, before the Osbournes, He's the first rock star that did a reality show. Oh, really? I didn't see that. Well, <laughs> B and Mick. This was after I worked with the Stones. I worked on a solo record. So I got the perspective of working with the Rolling Stones, a, a band, and then working outside of that with somebody on a solo record. Yeah. I never worked with it, so I don't know what that dynamic was really like, though I can guess. And I guess there were reasons, you know, it wouldn't occur to you to do it yet then. Like, he's playing polo with the fucking queen and, like, you know, it's like, dude... Come on, man. He's hanging out with, you know, he's, it's like he's hanging out with Prince Charles playing polo, and do, which he did. The Osborne's come along and it's raw. And But if you look now, because Mick produced all their, he produced that James Brown documentary. He's a serious, like, legitimate movie producer. All the Stone stuff, they're producing themselves, but it's all the real shit. They're telling the real shit. He learned his lesson, I'm sure, on that. It's like, you know what? Don't try to candy coat it. Let's go there because that's the truth. Tell the truth. Yeah. Or at least some version of it. Yeah. And that's what I think with the band. I don't, I don't know where their heads are at with any of this shit, but like any band, especially with them, I think they've got to own the story, you know, and own, you know, and, and there's some things I'm sure they would do different, but nobody was malicious. Everybody wanted what was best. You just, it's hard to see it. But sometimes, sometimes the people that are closest to the light, are blinded by it right like you know what i mean yeah if if you're talking about the never tear us apart document mini documentary i suppose you know you have to think of the audience that was for and it was for like daytime tv sort of you know um just like the documentary we made you got to take all that stuff into account and i do and i'm not to be honest with you it was on here on cable uh they were she was in two parts right and the first half of it, I watched. I thought the guy who played Michael did a really good job. I mean, yeah, you're right. But that's, again, because, you you know, you know media a little bit. You know how shit works, you know. But it is what it is, you know, the bottom It is line. what it is. Um, well, it is what it is, but it could be better. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they. I think they're working on a few things. At the moment, they've got something out there asking the fans for their stories. So where that to go into a book that'll be whittled down as well i should imagine <laughs> some good things and bad things actually i'd like to ask you what do you think about the head injury was he struggling with any of that well, let me put it this way. If somebody gets a splinter, they're on they're on Instagram or or, or the Facebook or whatever, and they're in the hospital getting, like everybody can't wait to be a victim, right? In those yeah. days, that was the worst thing you could do. Like nobody yeah. did that, that wasn't the culture. You, I didn't even know that happened. I never found, I didn't even know that happened until after he died. Can you imagine wow. that? 
you didn't know. So he didn't let on that he couldn't taste and he couldn't. No, he um, never pulled me aside and said, by the way, man, you know, I got in this thing with this guy and, and I smashed my fucking head and, you know, I got a gnarly ass concussion and I'm go. It was not even spoken of because in those days you don't want to. Ozzy said that to me once when, when Randy um, Castillo got cancer. He's like, hey, fucking people, man. As soon as someone gets sick, they run for the fucking hills. That's fucking Hollywood. But it was true, you know. And pretty much now it's the same. The only difference is everybody's out promoting it and everybody can virtue signal. But who really cares if somebody's fucked up? Who's really there for them, right? Mm. So that wasn't even spoken of. I think that was the whole problem. That was the whole issue. Was that head injury in conjunction with the medication he was getting and the self-medication? Which let's another thing though I want people to be really aware of is that Michael was always had a handle on his shit. He was a, he was living better through chemistry. And but whenever you're like trying to ba- run balance that thing, yeah, you know, there's I gonna understand. Yeah. You go a little too far, you know. So it's like you can pull so whatever. He was always able to work. Like, but he had mood swings, but they were never, like I said, at least towards me, it was never like mean spirited. He just would get quiet like really frighteningly so what's wrong bro you know and then he would talk and he would tell you and you'd say well if that then don't do that don't do that no i gotta do it man no you don't dude just fucking pump the brakes for a second and take care of yourself but that's where the whole events taking over your life events controlling you instead of you controlling events and it's almost like there's all that momentum that propelled you now is beyond your control. And it's almost like you become a victim of your own circumstance. Yeah. You know, your own prophet, self-fulfilling prophecies almost. Right. So that's why if anything, it became at least like, at least I understood. Okay. It's not as, as crazy as it seems. And it's not like nobody knew everybody knew something was wrong. We were always, it was always not 24 seven, but, we sat in the Viper room, you know, and it was like, you know, dude, and had a long conversation about a lot of shit. And it was like, so he knew what was going on. And if I, I mean, I would never like fault Michael, but he didn't have the strength, man, to just like say, fuck it, I'm taking care of myself. And who does? I mean, nobody does really. Yeah. And to just say like, fuck this, fuck it all. I'm taking care of me. Because again, he was the goose that laid the golden egg, wasn't he? Well, that's exactly right. And he was a father at that point and he was had responsibilities. Yeah. And and a tour to go and he wanted to get this record out. He was doing a lot. He was, was also he was also trying to get into acting as well, wasn't he? That was why he was in LA like a lot. Like he didn't always just come out to write with me. In fact, most of the time he was coming to do something else and we would it would all work together. Like, you know, cool. Mm. Going to read for a movie, you know. Evidently, he went to meet Tarantino about something. Yeah, I was told. I don't know if this is totally true because unless I get to talk to one of the directors of the movie, but that in the Matrix there was a part written for him, and that they just shit can the part after he died. They didn't give it to somebody else. I heard that too. So I've, I've the person who told me that I would would know. Like she's pretty credible, and I believe her. I would like to know that that was true or not. Yeah, it was supposed to have been Keanu's mate or something in it. Mm. But I know he was out here reading for parts and he took it. And that's the other thing. Michael took it really fucking seriously, man. Like he was serious about like his work. That's why, again, that thing offends me a little bit because, you know, when he, when 
he would know his shit. He would be on his shit. Like Michael was not a frivolous person. And it, and it's and look, he didn't do himself any favors by the way he put himself out there sometimes because I I think he liked to give that whole impression of like make it look easy, elegantly wasted, right? Like just make it look easy. Because the the key, the epitome of that would be Keith Richards, right? Like right. Sort of stumbling and bumbling your way through and just like landing on your feet. But trust yeah. me again, thing I would say with Keith Richards, he's one of the sharpest, smartest motherfucking tools that have ever been in the shed. But they make it look effortless. Because they find the art of being them. the show Danny it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you at last <laughs> we've got some questions there that have been answered thank you for your time to me the, the only things that matter is getting the music out and doing it correctly whatever that means and that means living up to Michael's fucking standards and the band's the standard of the work that they've done him individually and them as a band and offering whatever little speck of help and helping the band regain some sort of relevance and context in their career and appreciation is that whole rock and roll hall of fame thing like that's that's going to be tricky you know and i don't, i almost think it's the kind of thing you can't try and do you've got to create the circumstances for it to happen yes it's like a like making music it's like music people want any the second somebody's trying to control everything they're fucked it's an yeah. energy and that's with Michael and me, like that's where we, I think we really connected because he understood that. And all he needed was the an environment he was comfortable in and tr- and he could trust the, the situation and the process. And then the opportunity just to be listened to, have the latitude to go where he wanted to go. And then having somebody in a position that was me that could execute the ideas and maybe even take them a little further, you know? So it's not really that complicated. It's just the, it's just, you know, doing it. <laughs> that's the tricky part well do it yeah do it properly Danny thanks so much for doing this I think everyone is going to really enjoy listening to it you're a good guy what you've done with Michael is fantastic love you and you too Bridget okay and we'll speak very soon bye then Danny take care bye bye great talking to you and you too bye hey this is David from Derby Hi, this is Katie from England. G'day, it's Paul from Sydney. Hi, this is Ella from the Netherlands. This is Dr. Jim and that's a wrap. All right, that's our first wrap for the year. You know, well done, you know, with the interview with Danny. You know, look, it's great to know that um, people, you know, still, Michael still has an impact, you know, on, on people's lives many years later and you could sense that through Danny's voice and through his comments. Mm, yeah, yeah, and and Danny just wants to do the right thing for Michael. You know, Michael made this music because he wants us to hear it. So mm. I hope someone does the right thing. Like Danny said, it's the fans that matter in this. And mm. Michael did the music for the fans. So 
get yeah. out there and just do it for and it's always it's always difficult when an album is released posthumously, but you know these are really good, a quality bunch of songs, and we mm-hmm. we will probably as we get up to the timelines, which we're not that far away from, uh, we will go through and do a deep dive track by track and really get into that album uh, and give it just desserts once we're around that sort of nineteen ninety nine sort of period, which uh, again we're we're probably uh, around ninety five ninety six at the moment, so we're very close to doing a deep dive on that album per se. Um, we just got to do yeah. elegantly wasted first. Yes, yeah, and and like Danny says, there's one track there that will really lean to having um, some of the band members be part of it. It's a mm. it's a, a track that is very in excess. Mm. Um, Kurt, I know you're listening. Get on to it. <laughs> <laughs> You've been told, Kurt. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, look, in terms of uh, fan engagement, B, uh, look, just big thank you to everybody over the Christmas break who sent us well wishes and different things. Big shout out to Carmen. I had a bit of a chit-chat to her a couple of days ago uh, through some of our platforms. Um, great that you're on the mend and doing well. Again, we look forward to seeing and hearing more of you this year. Um, again, to everyone from overseas who wished us happy Christmases and New Year's, you know who you are. Paul Jolly for everything you do. We love seeing your posts and everything there. But anything, anyone particularly, B, you want to drill down on and give some acknowledgement? Well, it was with great sadness that we started the year with losing a beautiful man called Tony. A lot of you knew him as Tony from Spain, mainly on Facebook and YouTube. He had his own YouTube channel. He was very engaging with a lot of you. And I know from the fact that we've we've put a post out in Hutch Nation and in um on, on our podcast page. Our heart goes with all of you. Um, mental health isn't good this time of year for a lot of people. And Tony was struggling. And uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be very, very much missed. Our heart goes out to Sylvia. It was a shock, wasn't it, Hayden? Yeah. And some of you said he's posed under, I think, the pseudonym Ant Elm. Yes. I think it was. Um, mm-hmm. Really prolific. Yeah, as I said, you know, there's no way of sort of uh, sugarcoating these. You know, he was obviously going through some tough times. and But he was uh, such a, a appreciative listener to us and contributor on all of the platforms. And we've got some great content to, I guess, at the very, very least, remember by. So uh, mm-hmm. big shout out to you. We'll do a little tribute at the end of the show. So Just hope he's in a happy place now. Yeah. Yeah, and look, as you said earlier, the um, the auction and stuff like that. We uh, will give you another two weeks, I guess, for a chili. Mm-hmm. Get your mm-hmm. pesos out and get your Michael and Pictures book. Otherwise, we'll re- re-release the uh, the auctioning process. There, um, they're very very rare these books, and this one being a black binded cover. Uh, I believe is that right? No, it's in. Is it black? It, no, it's white, but it's in a black box. Right. Mm, it's okay. beautiful. Well, uh, I 
also do know a few people excited about the Gary uh, interview that we did. Uh, I guess through Christmas and the New Year and then through the, the Danny interviews, we are polishing up those and then we'll just realise it is Michael's birthday by the time we do the next episode. So the Gary episode is in the can and we will probably, uh, I thought be what we might try and do is rather than spread it into three episodes, we might just put it into two big episodes, et cetera, there. And then, you know, listeners will be really eager to hear that. We can get that mm-hmm. maybe out in two. Just yeah. depends on the amount of content. We don't want to have you listeners listening too long, but um, that is uh, something we are going to be getting out. Um, also, too, as I alluded to just a bit earlier, um, elegantly wasted. Uh, we think we'll be able to uh, do that particular uh, album deep dive in the next sort of four to six weeks. Um, I am going to put the feelers out to Andrew Farris to see if he will come on for that one because he was a co-producer. And I think that he, more than anybody, with Michael having departed and uh, Bruce Fairbairn, the producer, having sort of passed away, having uh, a producer's touch and a feel for the facts of the album would be great. So I will see if Andrew will uh, willingly accept the invitation and uh, update you all. That would be cool. That would be really yeah. cool to have Andrew on. Really good. Yeah. The email that we got from Gary Beers a couple of weeks ago about him going onto another podcast and thanking us yes. <laughs> for warming him up. <laughs> yes. That I think was Gary went to, cool. Thank you, Gary. Gary, Gary went to do another interview. And we'll mention what it is soon, but uh, I think it was a, a sit-down interview and he was like, mm. oh, you guys brushed me up on my material. It's been a while. So uh, thank you, Gary. <laughs> That was nice of him to, uh, yeah, extend a, an e- email to us there. Really also want to um, give um, a big hug, virtual hug to our Danielle. Um, Danielle was taken sick. Um, and thank you, everybody, all the patrons that sent her a lot of love. She's now healed. She was rushed into hospital, but she's back on the mend um, and had her appendix out. Danielle, I, I hear that you're going to give even more to the podcast this year um, with your time. So thank you. Thank you so much. And somebody else is Foxy. Foxy is back. Wow. Got more help. Hey? Fantastic. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Joining us on stage, Mr. Jeff Beck. Well, the music industry is in shock this week as we lose the legend Jeff Beck. A gifted guitar rock god has left a legacy like no other. Starting his career with the Yardbirds and then the Jeff Beck group, he first won a Grammy in 85 and he went on to receive another seven Grammys. Working with all the greats in the music industry, including the Stones, Rod Stewart, Eric Clapton, and collaborating with many, like Stevie, as you heard there. His finger and thumb were insured for over seven million. Wow. I would suggest that all of you look up Jeff's career and path that he has left behind because it's one of the most amazing stories out there of um, somebody who um, was innovative with his guitar playing um, from rock, jazz and infusion and psychedelic. Ah, It's just amazing. And his last album was released last year in 2022 with Johnny Depp, um, which is a covers album. May you rest in peace, legend. 
And it's with terrible sadness that we hear that Lisa Marie Presley has lost her life also this week. It's very tragic. Um, We saw her only a couple of days on our TV um, screens and it's just absolute tragedy and a shock. So how love goes out to her family and to her fans. song today obviously a little bit poignant in its message but um, uplifting in its tone I thought we would go out as a little bit of a tribute song to Tony and not only just Tony but anybody who has lost family members in 2022 you know through whether it's COVID or old age or just illness this is a song that's uh, really going to dedicate to not only Tony but to everybody out there hopefully 2023 is going to be uh, a fantastic year for everybody we know life's not always like that you know it does have its ups and downs but the great thing about in excess music is it can soothe the soul and the heart. And we we thought we would go out today with Shine Like It Does uh, for Tony and for any families out there who have lost a loved one. We'll dedicate this song to all of you and wish you a fantastic 2023. More than anything, just have the courage and strength to keep walking forward and putting a foot in front of the other one. It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. Goodbye, everybody. Shine goes shine like it does.
Tachi, and you've been listening to In Excess, Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Thank you.